Over the last few weeks, I've been working on a sermon series on Pentecost and the Pentateuch. So I've been using the first few books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, to look forward to Pentecost. And for this evening, we'll read from Numbers 11 and reflect on the Holy Spirit's work in terms of people, presence, and prophecy. But before we read, I should give you just a little bit of a sense of Numbers 11. There's a couple intertwined issues in that chapter, and I'm totally not going to deal with one of them, and I'm going to focus on the other. First, there's a food issue. Um, God has led the Israelites through the desert. He's been providing manna, which was nourishing but bland, but the Israelites have gotten sick of it. So they've gone to Moses, and they've complained, and they've complained, and they've said it was better in Egypt, where we had more kinds of food. We need different food. So the Lord gives them different food, and they eat so much of it that it makes them sick. And so it turns out they should have just accepted what God gave them instead of demanding something different. So that's the food issue, and we're just going to leave that on the side tonight. But there's also a leadership and a spirit issue in this chapter. Uh, Moses gets really fed up for a variety of reasons with being the mediator between God and the Israelites. So he goes to God and complains. He basically says, this is too much for me. These people are killing me. I would rather die than keep doing this. So God provides a way for other leaders to join Moses in sharing the burden of leading God's people. So the verses we'll read from Numbers 11 this evening are about how God equips other leaders to help Moses. So I'll start by reading Numbers 11, verses 16 and 17, and then there's a food interlude for a few verses that we'll skip, and I'll pick up again and read verses 24 to 30. This is God's word for us today. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. And then skip a few verses down to verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. I'm also going to read a question and answer from the Heidelberg Catechism this evening. It's uh, question and answer 53. This is part of the section where where the Heidelberg Catechism explains the Apostles' Creed. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he, as well as the Father and the Son, is eternal God. Second, he has been given to me personally, so that by true faith he makes me share in Christ and all his blessings, comforts me, and remains with me forever. 
So first tonight, all of God's people have the Holy Spirit on them to build up the church. In verses 16 and 17, the Lord lays out his plan in response to God's complaint. If the leadership burden is too heavy for Moses, the Lord will spread the burden around to more people. Now, the Holy Spirit up to this point has been especially active and powerful in Moses' life and work, but now the Spirit is going to spread out a bit and be upon some of the other elders of God's people. Now, in Numbers, the Spirit is given to these specific people for the specific task of building up God's people. And these elders' mission as the leaders of Israel is confirmed by the Holy Spirit coming down on them and having them prophesy as they're gathered together at the tent. But two of the elders, Eldad and Medad, somehow stayed behind in the camp. We don't know why. We don't know how. But they ended up prophesying in the camp among the rest of God's people instead of out at the tent where Moses and the other leaders were gathered. So this young man comes running out, and he tells the elders at the tent what's going on. And Joshua, who's Moses' right-hand man, who himself becomes one of the great leaders in Israelite history, well, he reacts by telling Moses to make these guys stop prophesying. And the language there is really strong. Joshua wants Moses to make these guys zip it. He wants them to shut up. He wants them to put a sock in it. He wants them to quit. Now, Joshua probably reacts that strongly because he's worried that if the people see someone else prophesying, they're going to have yet another excuse to rebel against Moses and against the Lord. But Moses doesn't share that concern of Joshua's at all at this point. In fact, in verse 29, Moses says he wishes the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of God's people. For Moses, this is a wistful if-only moment. If only all these stubborn people could be prophets. If only the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. If only the Lord would work directly in all his people instead of me having to carry this whole burden. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God's Holy Spirit descending again and again on the leaders of God's people. Moses and later Joshua seems to have an ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit in a special way to lead God's people. We see here in Numbers 11 that the elders had a special commissioning to confirm that they could share the work of Moses. And later in the Old Testament, we see the Spirit descending on different leaders of Israel. We see the Spirit coming down on judges, on kings, on prophets, But in the Old Testament, we don't really see the Holy Spirit come down on all of God's people. In the Old Testament, God gave particular people particular gifts for particular tasks. But that changes in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the Bible starts to talk about the Spirit of God being given to all of God's people. In 1 Corinthians 12, for example, the Bible says that the Spirit is given to all believers for the common good. And then there's a list of the many, many different ways, and it's not even a complete list, but the many different ways that the one Spirit of God works in all the members of the church to build up the body of Christ. Just like the Spirit came down on those few elders in Numbers 11 to do God's work, the Holy Spirit now empowers all believers to do God's work. In reform circles, we like to talk about the priesthood of all believers often. And usually when we talk about the priesthood of all believers, what we're thinking about is the reality that because of Christ's work, we don't need another mediator to stand between us and God. We don't need a priest or a pastor or some church hierarchy to stand between God and us and mediate back and forth. 
But there's another side to the priesthood of all believers. And that side is that God has given all of us his work to do. All of us are called to do God's work in this world, and all of us have the Spirit's power to do it. Now, of course, the Lord gives all of us different callings and different gifts, but in a multitude of ways, all of us today have the gifts and the power of the Spirit working within us to build up God's church. If we were to recreate Numbers 11 today, it would be all of us being called to the tent to have the Spirit come down on us to empower us to work for God in different ways. All of God's people have God's Spirit on them in order to build up the church now. And second, God's people all have the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We're actually on point two. Um, For years and years when I was a kid, Super Mario Brothers was about the coolest video game around. And if you're older than me, that probably means nothing. If you're younger than me, maybe that means something. But anyway, this was a cool game. And in that game, you would control this little Italian plumber who had to run across the screen kind of forever, and he'd have to fight these funny little mushroom people and snapping turtles and dragons and have all kinds of other problems. And he was doing all of this, of course, to rescue a princess at the end of that game. Now, the game had a fair number of challenges, but sometimes if you hit a particular point, this star would come flying out on the screen, and if Mario caught that star, he would be invincible. So if he caught that star, he could run through all his enemies, he could smash through all kinds of things, and he could get away with pretty much everything. But then after a few seconds, the star power would kind of wear off, and Mario would be his regular, vulnerable Italian plumber self again. Now, somehow for me, the star never lasted long enough, and it seemed like the star power would go away, and about half a second later, I'd die. But I was never very good at video games anyway. But in the Old Testament, it seems like the Holy Spirit mainly came down on God's leaders, and it seemed like they only had the Holy Spirit for a little while. Then, just like Mario and his star power, the leaders would be back to their human, vulnerable, flawed selves. And often what they were able to do in their own power would fall pretty short of God's ideals. The book of Judges is a very clear example of this. In that book, we see the Spirit of God coming down on a judge and enabling them to do incredible things, to deliver God's people. But then the Spirit would seem to kind of leave that judge again, and all the judges and all of God's people would pretty quickly slide back into sin and fall away from God's will and his ways unbelievably quickly. Now in the Pentateuch, there's a bit of this dynamic too. By and large, the Spirit is a passing thing in people's lives. The Holy Spirit does seem to be present in Moses' life in a particularly persistent way, and Joshua's too in some respects. But for the most part, when the Spirit descends on people early in the Old Testament, it's a passing presence. It's there for a particular moment, for a particular purpose, and then it's gone again. And in Numbers 11.25, we see the Spirit coming down on the elders, and it says, when the Spirit rested on them, the elders prophesied, but they did not do so again. Apparently for these elders, this was kind of a one-shot deal. They had one dose of the Spirit, enough to confirm their calling, enough to confirm their authority, enough to confirm their identity as leaders of the people, but that was it. The elders were summoned to the tent. They were commissioned there by the Holy Spirit in a special way. But then Moses leads them back to the camp. 
and these elders are back to regular life. Now, for most of the Israelites, being really in God's presence, having God really dwell right there with them, was an impossible or at least improbable event. These 70 elders had the unique privilege of having God come down on them in a special way, but even they had to leave and go back to the camp. And the people always had to keep that bit of distance, that bit of separation between themselves and that holy God who was dwelling in the most holy place in the tent in the middle of the camp where people really couldn't go that much. But then in the New Testament, we see Jesus coming into the world and taking on human nature. And in his life, his death, and his resurrection as one of us, Jesus moved God's presence from being somewhere out there from being in heaven or being in the tent or later being in the temple, well, Jesus moved God's presence into the hearts of God's people. When the Holy Spirit came down on Pentecost, God took up permanent residence in the hearts and the lives of all his people. In the Old Testament, the Spirit gave certain of God's people the power of God to accomplish specific tasks. But from the New Testament on, God gave his people the Holy Spirit so that God himself could dwell in us forever. We as Christians are God's dwelling place, his tabernacle, his tent, his temple, his place in this world. Now, whoever we are, whether we're an elder, whether we're a mature believer, whether we're a new convert, wherever we go, God goes with us and God is in us. God's people now have the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And third and finally, God's people have the prophetic word and spirit of God to guide them. Now, prophecy is a sticky business on a number of levels, and I'm not going to be able to unpack anything like all the strands of prophecy tonight. There are complicated questions about what exactly prophecy is or isn't, questions about whether prophecy continues up to today or not, and if so, what it looks like. And I'm not going to get into any of those issues tonight, though if you want to talk about it, I can. But where we always need to start and end with prophecy is to believe, to understand, and to live as if prophecy comes from and conforms to God's word and God's spirit. All Christian prophecy has to come from and conform to God's word and God's spirit. It's pretty subtle in the verses we read for tonight, but all of the spirit-filled and prophetic activity in those verses begins with God's word, with God speaking to his people. God says to Moses that he will come down and he will have a word with Moses and then put put the spirit on the elders. Moses goes out after that in verse 24 and he tells the people the word of the Lord. And then when the elders have gathered at the tent, the Lord comes down and he speaks his word to them. And then the spirit rests on the elders and they begin to prophesy. All of the prophesying in these verses comes from and begins with the word of the Lord. And then the prophecy proceeds only in the power of the Holy Spirit. In this text, the Holy Spirit gave the elders the power to prophesy in order to authenticate their authority to confirm that they could speak as God's leaders on the behalf of God and of Moses. The Spirit enables the elders to prophesy, basically, so that they can bring the word of the Lord to God's people in an authoritative manner. 
And at the end of this text, Moses wishes that God would put his spirit on all the people and enable them all to prophesy. But this doesn't mean that Moses is wishing all of the Israelites would have some sort of ecstatic, mystical experience. It doesn't mean he wants all the Israelites to be able to predict the future, though those aren't necessarily bad things if God grants them. But what Moses wants is for all of the people to be filled with the Spirit and so to be able to live and work and do all things according to the word of the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, we continue to see God's Spirit lead God's people to prophesy in order to explain and illuminate God's word. When the Spirit came down on Pentecost in Acts 2, it gave the disciples the ability to speak in tongues. But almost right away, Peter is at work using that gift of tongues to open up the Old Testament and to explain and illuminate how God's promises and plans in the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The prophesying that happened at Pentecost opened up God's word in the scriptures, and it gave the Holy Spirit a means of bringing people to faith in God's word, Jesus Christ. So today, whenever we think about prophecy and whatever we think about prophecy, we need to remember and make sure that the prophecy that we hear comes from God's word and conforms to God's word. The Israelites in the Old Testament and even God's people in the New Testament didn't have the scriptures in full like we had them today. So they really depended on God speaking directly to the leaders of his people. But today we have the Bible, we have the whole Bible, and we have the word of God for us. Now what that means on a personal level is that if you feel like God is leading you in a particular direction, but that direction goes against the Bible, that is not God's spirit that you're hearing. And you need to stop listening and find a better spirit. But more broadly, for us as a church, if we're going to accept anything as authoritative, if we're going to say that anything is coming to us from the Spirit, if we're going to say this is what God wants us to do as a church, and this is God's leading, then that has to agree with the Bible, with the Word of God. Whether it's teaching something, or whether it's calling for a certain course of action, or whatever it is that we want to do as a church, it has to fit with the word of God as we find it in the scriptures, or it is not truly coming from God's spirit. So in Numbers, the spirit of God came down on those 70 elders for a little bit to enable them to serve God's people in that time. But now the Holy Spirit lives in all of God's people all of the time. And all of us have the calling, all of us have the gifting to work to build up the church. And what's more, we have God's word and we have God's spirit to guide us, to form us, and to teach us what God's will is. May we always walk together in God's spirit and according to God's word.